And this episode of ArcaSpeak is sponsored by RCAT. And we'd like to let you know something new that RCAT has, and it's called Charette. This is another free service from RCAT for you to take advantage of. You can create a project, assign tasks, share and collaborate with colleagues and clients in real time, even simply promote your firm and services for the world to see. I mean, at the minimum, this is free advertising for your firm. So you can simply put up photos and create a portfolio for people to browse. We've been using Charette over there at RCAT.com for a while now, and it is pretty cool. So just go over there. It's another free service from RCAT. All you have to do is go to RCAT.com and click on the Charette login link right at the top of the homepage. And thanks to RCAT for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. And we're also sponsored by BQE. You're always going to have questions about your projects. Will your team meet your deadline? Will you go over your budget? How profitable is this project anyway? That's when you should look at BQE Core. It combines the project management, billing, accounting, and business intelligence in one elegant cloud platform. Made by BQE, the creators of ArchiOffice, Core's unparalleled insights, native mobile apps, and powerful automation will transform your firm. And I, I've been actually using Core for a little while, been setting up some projects in it and contacts and other things. And this is a really cool... I, I What I like about this is when you log into Core, you get this dashboard. And immediately it shows you your time performance, workflows, hours, documents. You can add documents to this as well. And this is really cool. I mean, for offices that need all, I mean, we, all of our offices need this kind of stuff, right? And we all have different ways of doing it, but rarely do all of these things kind of come together. And, you know, where you have your contacts as part of your accounting system, which is also part of your time and expenses and billing and projects and lists. Anyway, I recommend going over to bqe.com forward slash core get your free trial, check it out, learn some things, and then really kind of see what your office is doing and how profitable is it. And being able to have access to all of this stuff is really cool. So definitely go over to bqe.com forward slash core to get a free trial. And thanks again to BQE and their core product for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. This episode is also sponsored by Hager Companies. Hager Companies will be highlighting their new Hager-powered by Salto electronic access control product line in booth 544 at the Texas Society of Architects Design Expo on November 9th and 10th in Austin, Texas. Stop by and hear about many of the benefits of this innovative and dynamic solution to nearly every type of facility at a fraction of the typical upfront and ongoing cost. And don't miss out on their Texas, Oklahoma architectural specification consultant, Deborah Powers Walford, who is presenting the ADA Meeting Accessibility Standards on Saturday, November 11th at 3 p.m. Don't forget, that's Saturday, November 11th at 3 p.m. as part of the Texas Society of Architects Continuing Education Program. And don't forget to visit Hager Companies at booth 544 at the Texas Architects Design Expo. Again, that's on November 9th and 10th in good old Austin, Texas. And thanks to Hager for sponsoring this episode of ArcaSpeak. Speak. 
Welcome to ArchiSpeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 127 of the ArchiSpeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. Hey, did you guys see that tweet by uh, AIA National this week where they were advertising that Zaha Hadid's office was going to participate in a doghouse design charity? I did not. This kind of tweet just pisses me off about the AIA because they are, I just hate how like cute they're trying to be about this. Like they, they put a picture up of this sad little dog next to it, next to his pointy modernist doghouse. And, and I just don't feel like they're doing architects any favors here. <laughs> I know they're just passing along news from an Arc Daily article, but as and I don't expect the AIA to do marketing for architects. It would be nice, but but I don't know that that's really their job. Like we should all probably do our own marketing, but it, it just kind of reduces it down to you know, like architects are out there solving real problems. They're out there doing amazing things every day and and instead they're talking about doghouse design charities and and the picture that they showed wasn't even the zaha hadid doghouse like right it was a... what the hell <laughs> who is running their social media channel over there and 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 who approved that like it, this goes back to that episode we did a while back when when ivy and them responded to to trump when uh, the Trump election, right? And it was like, who's running the show over there? Like, what what are the priorities of AIA National? Uh, and what are they on Twitter? Jeez. Do you have something against dogs? I mean, what is this, Evan? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't want them to be cute and and diminishing. And uh, it's like, I, I get, like, I can stand in somebody's shoes who's like, oh, yeah, that's cute. Uh, yeah, that, that those are kind of cool. But at the same time, like, there's people doing real crap out there that like is yeah. serious business and like look at all the relief efforts that are going on around the world and it's what and they're tweeting about dog houses that probably cost like I don't know how much 20 grand for a freaking dog house and and like people can't even afford the kind of architecture Ugh. yeah and and, and I, I totally get where you're coming from because I mean though it's kind of cute and it's a little bit of levity and a otherwise mundane kind of maybe Monday or something like that. Who knows? They're showing the architecture or whatever the hell they're wanting to call it, but they could actually be showing and showcasing all of the cool efforts that are going on for all this different disaster relief. Yeah. That's actually what we really should be talking about is it is for a charity and it is raising money for pets, but We've had several hurricanes and other natural disasters, you know, the fires in California. Yeah, like Neil's like 100 miles away from these crazy, devastating fires, and they're, they're yeah. tweeting about doghouses. And, and there is a huge effort by the architectural community to raise awareness, raise money, and other things for that kind of work. So let's showcase that. Maybe let's... they are. I don't, I don't follow the AIA's Twitter feed that that closely and and it just did come across my timeline so it probably just caught me at a bad time but man i don't i don't get it i just don't get it at I mean, all you've really got your panties in a wad over this one what the yeah, hell yeah it's it's we we pay how much 800 dollars per person per year yeah and then they want you to do all these ces on top of that which they would love to sell you those courses by the way 
so that they can make a little bit more money. Okay. And then they're spending your money hiring some social media manager out there to tweet about dog houses. Excuse me? Re- retweet yeah, that. Retweet. Not even original content. I was going to say it's not even <laughs> – they're not generating the content. They're not using that money wisely to generate content. They're just hitting like and retweet. So, yeah. Yeah, I got you. Get you. I don't know, it got guys, me. guys. Guys, guys, it got me. First off, they didn't hit retweet. They wrote the tweet themselves, but they are it. It it is promoting somebody else's content. But I mean, come on, this is for what Blue Cross's uh, rehoming center in Kimpton, uh, UK. They're promoting mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. community art projects led by the event organizer. Organizer here. What is it? Outdoor Arts Foundation. And it's just it's it's a UK promo- based charity, or that <laughs> it's well, all right, come on, Americans. There's architects all over the world, so why do we have to shit on the fact that it's a UK based organization? No, it's, what what it is to me is it's like the magazines. You're talking about architects who need no need no extra help promoting themselves. Well, true, yeah, that's but, all but, that gets promoted. Yeah, all right, but I mean, they're going to sell these things. They're, they're going to get these. A list, a growing list of 80 architects, they say, designers and artists, actually. So it's not just architects. So they're going to design seen some of these dog houses. Well, yeah, like there's re- one where the dog has to stand up in it. It's not, it's. Have you seen like- architecture? <laughs> Come on, have you seen the architecture that gets published? Some of it is ridiculous. Uh... I get it. I get it. So. But I mean, come on, guys. I mean, they're, they're... there's a little glass roof one where the the Labrador's laying down under the glass roof. It's very nice. I, I don't know why you guys are all upset about this. I, I don't have a problem it's stupid. with it. That's why it's not stupid. This is all right. Maybe all right. Okay, so maybe I'm biased, but the firm I work for, there are some pet lovers, and we actually do something similar in our office actually and uh, Cormac mentioned the name it's it we call it Barkitecture and every year or at least the past two years a group of people uh, at the office do a competition and they design and build their own dog houses and then they auction them off at a local um, uh, farmer's market to raise uh, money for ARF which is the Animal Rescue Foundation here in the Bay Area. And so, I mean, th- we do the same thing. Now, we're we're not raising the kind of money because we're not world-renowned famous architects or something and designers, but we raise money for, for a local organization. I, I don't see this as being any different in the fact that the AIA is promoting it might help some ara- awareness and it's going to raise more money. So what what's the problem? Why aren't they uh, promoting yours? They probably would because like our name is not Zaha Hadid or however. You, <laughs> yeah, you that's know. what I'm saying. You, they don't need any more help. Uh, I well, mean, no, these architects yeah, that's why don't. They, that's why. That's why they're going to raise a lot more gets, money than we did. Well, that's why they get invited to participate, right? Because they bring the name and they bring the media. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't. It's just completely uninteresting and not of the topic of the. So you hate dogs? All. I get it. <laughs> it's, it's all right, and just just come out and say it. It's it's okay. No, it's not that you're just send I, I all I the emails it. to Evan at arcaspeakpodcast dot com, and you'll get those. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, yeah, the dog houses. Some of them are a little goofy, but look at the kind of architecture some of these architects and designers produce. So you know, it's no different. 
And if it raises awareness and they make more money because of it, good for them. It's not an it's not a pertinent issue. I don't okay. Fair to enough. me, to me. I guess you're right. It's to me, but I, I'm sure I'm not alone. So okay. Anyway, like I said, send emails to Evan. I hate dogs at arcaspeakpodcast dot com. Uh, yeah, auto filter <laughs> right to the trash. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Hey, let's talk about at MDC. So Monterey Design Conference. We went to the Monterey Design Conference, and after we had our episode with the chair, who was Anne Fougeron this year, and she put together a fantastic Monterey Design Conference and. Actually, it was her and Mark Jensen. They were the co-chairs of it. And uh, I just I had a great time, and I thought we could just maybe recap some highlights for people. Um, we did get to meet some of our listeners there as well, so uh, it, was a, it was a good time to be had by all. And I, again, the weather fully cooperated with us, so it was a perfect weekend in Monterey. Even though it was a little smoky up north, it didn't really inhibit anything that was going on down in Monterey. So what, what was the highlight for, for you, Cormac? Um, you can only pick one. <laughs> oh, I can only pick one. Okay, no, whatever. Uh, the Monterey Beach, just the beach. Yeah, just the <laughs> setting. This, honestly, the setting itself. It, we've gone to so many different conferences, and they all feel like conferences. And the one thing that I really appreciate about MDC, one, it's in the same place all the time or at least the two times I've gone. So that's my all the time. I think it counts. Yeah. It's all the time. It's so very comfortable and laid back. And the setting just allows it to be something that is, it, it's the non-conference conference. Yeah. It's, it's intimate. It's, it's not enormous and out of control and the setting and the, the church of MDC, you know, I like to call oh, Mer- yeah. Merrill hall, the church of MDC, because it's like, it is very sanctuary. Like when you're in the space watching the preachers talk, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it is one of those things that inspires you. And again, I, we've talked about this before, but it's, it reminds you why you became an architect in the first place. Yeah. Other than showing up on that first day a little bit late, and uh, then when we rushed to go see one of the speakers, we were all up in the uh, up in the balcony, and you guys had a hell of a lot better view than I did with my <laughs> right behind right. the truss. Um, you were literally in the rafters. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but that was the only time that got better after that. Oh, I mean, absolutely! It's like uh, it's like Southwest Airlines. Everybody rushes for the seats uh, whenever somebody's mm-hmm. about to start talking. Got to get on that A list. It's the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So we got there when Jeff Goldstein from I I I had never heard him actually say the name of his firm, but I just call it Digsaw because I don't I don't know if he spells it out or what. But I thought that that was you know we got there maybe halfway through his talk. Fantastic work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just inspiring to see. Obviously, smaller projects on campuses that were just great, great examples of architecture doing something interesting on these sites. That was it was really fun to see, and he was so down to earth and personable. That I, that's one thing also that I love about a lot of the people who speak at MDC is just the way that they talk and they, the way that they can relate to the audience and bring us along the journey with them instead of. Well, I I can't say this for everybody, but but there's a big difference between a speaker like that and somebody who just reads their presentation. Yeah, and in the thing that that happened we'll too. Talk about, 
Yeah, <laughs> and and that was that was where I was going is that there were a handful, a large handful of the speakers that made it more personal, made it all relatable, and ever you know most of like the you know I call them laugh tracks, but you know most of like the laughs and the head nods and things like that were things were stories that every one of us have been through and every one of us could completely relate to what they're talking about because they weren't just talking about all of these wonderful successes and this is my project and it's so fantastic it was this was a project that we picked up from somebody else because you know they were fired and you know it, it will get to that one right i mean jeff was he made you you know like he talked about all of his struggles to get to a lot of these different projects and stuff. And, and you were just shaking your head like, yeah, been there or like how I loved the, the story of going to the quarry and looking at scraps and the scraps were what ended up in the project. And you were just like, that's kind of cool that, you know, you, that you had not just the thought of doing that, but then convincing the owner or buying in on that and really, and I, I thought it made such a, a wonderful and got a, we'll, we'll try to find the project and, and post a picture of it, but just to, taking all of these memories of other projects and putting, infusing them into this one project. It was just great. Talk about making a, a new building fit onto a campus where they, they just took literally the leftover parts and broken pieces of existing buildings and merged them into this amazing stone mosaic rusticated base of this modern building. It was just, I mean, that's, I think that's the example you're talking about. It was just so phenomenal to see. And and then from, is that what it was called? I can't remember. I mean, there was orange in it, but I think there was orange in every project. Yeah, it was this one. It was so awesome to to see it. Like I, the first photos they showed, you couldn't really see it, and then they got some close ups, some some detail shots, and it was just amazing. And and just to, for them to get the stonemason who just got to create a work of art and make it a part of this project, that was that was super cool. Definitely worth looking at. So, so check our show notes uh, and and click the link to to see Digsaw's projects. I mean, they're really really fantastic work. Yeah, Neil, Neil you said Mac, Matchbox, right? Yeah, it's Matchbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely Matchbox. And the great thing about it is, is you look at it and you just see like, you know, there's even some humor in the way that they put that project together because like there's a a, a one odd like stone balustrade you know like mm-hmm. just one picket just kind of like popped right into the middle of this thing and you're like that that doesn't belong but it does belong you know because yeah. it just it's like perfect little like almost like almost like a joke but not really a joke yeah so i thought it was great and then just you know the use of like kind of like this exploratory use of these new emerging materials and stuff it was it was really good yeah, the good thing is is that so I get to explore these guys because they're local and a lot of their projects are local. And yeah. Even some of their projects are on campuses that we even do work on. So yeah, it's cool. it's good that I'm most certainly going to be doing some driving and hunting down some of their projects and just kind of checking them out. The the Swarthmore work, that that's the one. The, those are the ones that I really want to kind of take a look at because – like I know we competed against them or 
I don't know if we were shortlisted or not, but one of the projects that they got the some of the student housing, I know that our firm, oh, yeah. had, you know, gone after it as well. So that was a beautiful project too. I love the texturing. Uh, I mean, to me, seeing all of these traditional building materials that I see as like placement for slate roofs, you know, and all this other stuff and to use them as like cladding on the side, yeah, regular siding and just the way that it was used and stuff, a very traditional building material in a very untraditional way of doing it. it and it just the texturing of this thing is yeah i think uh, that was t- one that i was really enamored with <laughs> it takes me back to something that neil said in the last episode which was the twist i mean neil you talked about that the entry to one of the complexes you're working on and how you split the one building into two and and mm-hmm. that was the twist and i that's a great way to explain kind of what's going on here too and, and i think that's kind of what you're talking about cormac where they they take a, a conventional material used in a conventional way and and they flip something they flip a switch yep. and so now they're using a conventional and contextual material but in a completely different way to bring the context to the to the new project in an interesting way right because maybe from far away you don't even notice what's going on you get up close and it's like hey that's that's different that's cool i thought that was a that just whole seeing kind of behind the scenes into that thought process was really interesting yeah and one of the things that I liked about him and and a lot of the other speakers was their comfort level in their own projects. And just a lot of people who, when they give presentations, they, and we'll talk about them is like, you know, that, that we're just reading from a script and it, it felt very uncomfortable to even be sitting there listening to them. Yeah. And the ones that were just kind of like very fluid and stuff, they were the ones that were really engaging and just, that's what were the highlights to me. Yeah, I wonder if that just comes with time and experience or doing it a lot or if it's if it is a, a specific talent that these some of these speakers have. We we haven't even gotten past like speaker one for us. Speaker number one for us, yeah. We we missed uh Weissman Freddy, which I heard was a fantastic lecture. Yeah, and so too bad we missed that one because I've heard that the lecture and their projects were were amazing. Uh but the one that really kind of kicked it off for me as far as, you know, one of those aha, I know why I'm here kind of a mm-hmm. speakers was Su Fujimoto. Yeah. I felt like he had hit, there was a great intro and then he picked it right up and he was just really calming and it, it was just a really like lovely presentation to listen to because I can tell why people like working with him. He brings this natural calm and also an intensity architecturally to his projects that it just was a joy to see the whole thing. And I felt like I could listen to him for three days straight because it was just, it's like watching Bob Ross paint. I mean, it was one of those, <laughs> one of those presentations where it, it was, was just like, yes, moment. tell me more, tell me more. I want more. Uh, and and I, it was neat because, you know, in the beginning they talked about this bathroom, this toilet project that that, uh, that yeah, he did yeah. and then he he went all the way through his it, it like set up the the jo- the joke for the punchline and then the punchline was at the very end of the presentation and i felt like even just getting to that point it was such a, an interesting talk to give and then later on i went back through on the web and looked up a bunch of his projects there's so many things he did not talk about there i mean he really edited the presentation down to make it fit his time slot. And, and there's just so many interesting projects, but I felt like 
it was just an amazing set of his work that he presented. And it was just truly inspiring to see his work and, and the way that he approaches projects so differently. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but the, <laughs> the toilet project was really, really cool. I mean, just talking about, and he's all about taking conventional ideas and making something extremely unconventional about it out of it so what is wall what is roof what is fence what is space what is room anywhere from his pavilions to the box in a box in a box project to the toilet project like what really what is it it's not a it's not just a room i mean it can be at a whole garden right and i just thought the way that he turned that idea on its head was really cool to see and man who i would love to be an architect like that the ones that really resonated with me, it was the ones that looked at the conventional and came up with the unconventional response. Yeah. Really kind of resonated with me. And then for them to have to build a, another toilet just for all the people visiting the toilet. <laughs> that was great. We, so we, we've, we've got to include at least a photo of the of the toilet that, now has become a tourist attraction. It's a destination. (laughs) Yeah. And so people don't want to go there to use the toilet. They want to go there to see the toilet and pose with the toilet. Imagine the stress of using the toilet, knowing there's a tour bus full of people outside (laughs) waiting. (laughs) I wonder if they have a timer. I mean, you only get so much time in there. There's people that want to use the toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so so funny. His explanation helped because to look at it oh, on yeah. the surface it was like this is stupid. But then once you once he explained everything and his thought process and everything that he did it it, it was it made more sense. Well, in knowing more about the context, yeah. and how it's a it's a place that is like an arts district or colony or whatever, it it where things are encouraged to be different makes a big difference in in the way right. that, that that comes off, right? So if you were just scrolling through a web page and you saw that, yeah, you would be like, uh, keep moving, right? This is right. as dumb as the dog houses. But if you if you oh, really stop and listen, yeah. <laughs> if you really stop and listen to the presentation, the explanation and and unfortunately, you know, like maybe that's what it takes for a lot of people, but it was it, it was so fun to hear that that story and to kind of get the build up to it at the end. It really was kind of the exclamation point on the end of the presentation. We're kind of straddling into day two. Neil, what was some of your highlights just kind of getting in there? Mm. Other than the uh, picking up your wonderful co-host at San Jose Airport. Yeah. I mean, that had to have been the highlight. But it was a nice drive. A nice drive down, yes. Yeah. For me, honestly... A lot of the speakers that we see here talk about architecture that, quite honestly, you know, it's fantastic and it's really cool. And there's one person I do want to mention that is not an architect, but gave a very interesting sort of uh, interesting talk, or at least let us into his mind and how he thinks and what he does, which was kind of interesting. We'll, we'll talk about him in a moment, but the... Most of these types of projects that that people show, at least in my three different MDC experiences, have nothing to do with what I do. 
and what I do for a living and the type of architecture that I do, which is more in the residential and more recently in the affordable housing realm. And there was a speaker there, Julie Eisenberg from Koning Eisenberg Architecture, and her entire talk was all about, almost all about affordability and their studies. And there's a, a book that they have called Urban Hallucinations, which actually I've already purchased and we, we have now in the office. And it's a very interesting take on all the different studies that they've done about uh, housing in the LA area and then highlighting some of the projects that they have done and just very, very interesting. And, and it really, for me, was like, wow, there's actually somebody at a talk like this talking about the type of work that I actually do. Instead of the glass toilet in the middle of a field, uh, we're talking about how they solved problems and affordability issues with very, very interesting projects and how they tried to make them affordable by using different types of materials and different ways to put them together and such. And so actually as a firm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hopefully visiting some of their projects down in the LA area some at some point next year when we do our annual residential tour of Southern California projects that our firm typically does once a year. We'll, we'll take a group of people down and, and we'll visit projects that of the type that we do that we don't get the chance to experience here in the Bay Area. So mm. it'll be interesting to see some of those and walk through hopefully some of them. And some of them that she mentioned were un under construction. So it'll be interesting to see hopefully them later next year when they're completed. So, and just her talk about how they deal with public spaces and how those work with the types of buildings that they, they're doing and how they're breaking, as they put it, conventional building typologies. And, and I just found that really inspiring because it's somebody who's doing the type of work I do instead of crazy, weird glass, I don't know, all kinds of weird stuff that we typically see at MDC. Great stuff, but, but it doesn't really speak to it, me. But isn't it supposed to be kind of like that relief from your daily mundane kind of existence of like clicking and CD creating and all that other stuff that sometimes it's just kind of refreshing to see projects that aren't your type of projects or the stuff that you do every day. It's kind of like that, uh, that getaway from the daily. Well, I mean, that, I, that's what I liked about it. Sure. Sure. But a lot of the projects I don't know. I shouldn't say a lot of the projects. It just the types of projects that we tend to see by the speakers at these types of events are projects I'll never do and don't really relate to. And while sometimes cool and interesting, it, it doesn't really do much for me in that I I won't do that. And it's the while maybe inspiring in some ways, like the project you first mentioned with the different, the way they used the stone at the base of that building and, and made that sort of a patchwork tapestry that turned into a great effect. That's inspiring, but I don't know. I, I got a whole lot more out of seeing Julie Eisenberg speak there and just the types of things that she's doing that meant more to me than a museum somewhere that doesn't really talk to me. I thought her talk was, was great because it, really shows how committed they are to the the region and their cities to 
mean, everybody knows it's a struggle to build the kinds of projects that architects do, and they are working extra hard to make them happen. And how committed they are to working with the cities to change the zoning codes, to be more modern, to get things to happen. And I felt like the, just to the level, the level to which they are willing to go to make these projects happen because they're good for the neighborhoods and they're good for the people who actually live there. They're very concerned with the cost of housing and the rising cost and who can afford to to live there. And I felt like that was just really refreshing because a lot of the speakers are really high end stuff that is for a very small percentage of people in the world. Uh, and so I felt like that was something really nice and refreshing about her talks, especially. And I, I agree with you, Cormac, too. I think that what I like about the other kind of loftier stuff is that it's it's a it's a look behind the curtain of thought processes and just unconventional ideas. And I think that's what inspires me to go back and look for opportunities like that on our projects, because that is something that people actually appreciate when when you're working with a client and they see you bring an idea to the table that nobody else would have thought of because it is unconventional but doable, I think that's when clients get super excited. I mean, we talked about this last time too. It, it's like when you can create something like that that they can really latch on to, they, they, they love that, and, and they, that's what makes them want to work with you more. So I, I, that's, I'm kind of looking for both things, I guess, when I'm going to MDC, and that's what makes this conference so different than any other architecture conference out there. Let's just talk about kind of the size of the conference. It's not... Like, I mean, I was talking with a friend of our show who was from Texas, and he was attending it for the first time. It's okay to name drop. We can do that. Are we a, He's the Mondo, are we allowed to, the Mondo Tiki Man. The Mondo Tiki Man, Jonathan Brown. It was great to see him again. It's, it's always fun to kind of get together with people that you don't have access to all the time and are, like, hanging out. But, you know, you chat all the time, and it's just kind of like, like it was telling him, it's like it's almost like picking up the conversation where we left off, and sure the conversation may have been digital, and we're going into the analog conversation, but it was just fun to kind of catch up with people like that. But we were talking about it, and he says it, even though it's a little bit bigger than he might have liked for kind of the intimacy thing, I still think that the intimacy feeling that you get there, where you've got all these like little offshoot and meet up with like practically the entire HMC office. Yep. <laughs> um, apparently there was no work going on that weekend. That's a weekend. Is there, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to work all day long every day? No, but I mean, it was good to sit down and, and have chats with all these people that I know at HMC. And it was just, again, some of those people I haven't seen in two years from the last MDC, but it was just comfortable enough to just like, just dive right back into where we left off on the last conversation or, or just what have you been doing or what's going on kind of thing. And that's what I liked about it. It was like, it was such a very laid back, comfortable one that you literally felt like you could talk to everybody there because even though there's a lot of people there, it didn't feel like there was a lot of people there. It didn't feel like this overwhelming mass of yeah. 8,000 architects just descending on. Although it was kind of funny that the, the setting of being on the beach in Monterey and a bunch of people walking on the beach in black 
was hilarious. <laughs> it really was. Like crows like, yep, flocking. You, exactly. Yep. Yeah. You don't stick out like a sore thumb here, brother. Because <laughs> everybody else was all the locals and stuff that were driving their really cool four-wheel drive VW buses and pop tops and, and all this other stuff. We were parked on the side of the road. Yeah, surfboards and stuff. Yeah. Going surf. Yeah, exactly. Going surfing and everything else. And then you just see this nerdy clan of black clad people walking with the interesting you know, glasses yeah with interesting glasses <laughs> and pointy pointy shoes um walking on the beach it was uh it was kind of funny to kind of see that but it was just like i said you know it was the it was the intimacy of the thing it, was, it didn't feel overwhelming sure there was a few times i had to kind of like step out and miss a couple of speeches just because they're you know, maybe a little too much for for the surprisingly enough introvert me to have too much architecture sometimes or i don't know if it's too much architecture or too much architects yeah probably I think it's the latter, the latter. yeah <laughs> yeah but uh no I, I i really loved the intimacy part of it and just making it feel like the un the unconference well speaking of the unconference i think what was very cool about it and and i probably probably didn't participate in this as much as i should have which is in most conferences, well, let's take the AIA National, for instance. They'll have headliners and speakers and other architects giving speaks, uh, speeches, excuse me, and your opportunity to meet or talk to them really doesn't exist because there's, as you said, 8,000 people or 25,000 yeah, people. Like handlers, I'm sure. Yeah, they yeah, have handlers yeah, yeah. and you never see them. And what's very interesting about an MDC with only a few hundred people there, I think, what was it, 800 or something attendees or something like that? I mean, it's not a lot. It sounds like maybe a lot, but you can just, I saw many pictures of people posting on Instagram of them standing next to all the speakers. So, I mean, you could just walk up and, and talk to them. And, and I I think I should have participated a little more in seeking out some of those people to to talk to them a little bit more. Um, and, and in fact, the, one of the people I mentioned earlier a few minutes ago was Ed Felia, who gave us a, a talk. Was it Saturday? Was it Saturday evening? Yeah, I think he he took the mic and and yeah, and he's not an architect, although he threw he threw us under the bus a few times during his his talk, but which was really funny. But, but he's a, a graphic artist and graphic designer and just does some not really my cup of tea artwork, but it was very, very interesting to hear his story being told about how he developed his own style and typography and photography and illustration and just really, really an interesting sort of discussion about what he does. And from what I took out of it was this guy just loves doing what he does and he just does it on his own terms, yeah, and has become well known for it. And he doesn't take take it too seriously. I think that's yes. something that I I took yes. away from it that architects suck at, right? Which is <laughs> taking ourselves really seriously. Yeah, and yeah. you can just tell, like you said, Neil, he just has a lot of fun. Yeah, there was what was the one quote that he said? He was like, "Well, I'll do the job for free if you let me do what I want, but if you're going to tell me what to do, I'm going to charge you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I love that quote. I've followed Ed for quite a long time and I've always kind of considered him kind of like the, the punk rock 
uh, graphic designer. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. You can see the old album covers in his artwork. I mean, you can see. Yeah, absolutely. You, let, you know, the, the, the shitty little flyers that your friends put together for like, hey, we're having a concert or we're having a movie series or something. And, you know, they just kind of like assemble it. But there's a rhyme and reason. But I mean, he always, to me, everything, every time I looked at his work, it was kind of, we had this conversation over breakfast. Yeah, these yeah. Kind of. I was a very, I'm an intuitive designer. I'm an intuitive artist and stuff like that. I do it more of like, if it feels good to me, that's what. That's how you decide. That's how I design. And, yeah. and that's how he designs too, is it's, it's got to feel right. It's got to, got to be right to me. And if it's right to me, then maybe other people might get it. Maybe other people might not, but, and that's what I, and I've always been drawn to, to Ed and Ed's work. I've got a couple of books of his that I've, I've always liked the kind of like rebellious spirit of everything that he's done. And I've even mimicked some of his work when I first got into architecture school. Some of my presentations were very much an Ed fellow, like kind of knockoff. Yeah. So I, I was, I was kind of excited to, to see his and I, I liked how his, what was his, was the, uh, the, um, his exit, what was the, his, his stage of his career is kind of like exiting. Yeah. Yeah. Emerging and exiting. Yeah. You talked about the different the different eras of of people presenting. I, I liked and appreciated the fact where he's just like, you know, I don't do this anymore for money, and I just teach and talk about it because I'm not. I don't want to compete with my students. They're the new generation. Let them go out there and do it, and and I'll just talk about it. Yeah. I'll appreciate it. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I want to. I can't wait for that part of my career. It's coming sooner than you think. A <laughs> uh, lot, lot sooner for you. <laughs> Damn. I'll say my my final uh, thing about MDC and and the presentation by I'm not sure how you say his first name but I think it's Shohei Shigematsu Shigematsu oh. the partner at Ome in New York and he he his presentation was so fantastic and the amount of material that he covered in his hour was amazing but I just loved how he coordinated his life to all of all of the World major disasters. problems that we've seen, right? He's like, he's like, I was born here. I graduated college here. And, you know, and, and it was all like these major downturns. And, and he's like, I'm not saying that they're, they're linked together, but I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. And he, exactly. he's just so funny about it. I mean, he, yeah. and, and the graphics and the presentation style and just the, he was just very real about it. And I loved him throwing out conspiracy theories about, OMA and Renzo Piano's office and and you know just you know they they get fired from a job we pick it up we get fired from a job they pick it up they think we're in the same office I just loved all that kind of stuff that 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 they're doing and and it's not I'm not a huge follower or fan of their work but I really loved his presentation and it was another one of those ones where I felt like oh this is why I'm here two things about that one I had I guess a different understanding about the structure of oma yeah and totally. it was kind of one it was rem and then everybody else just worked for rem kind of thing and, and that and that's really not the case that it really is just a, a collection of offices that do their own thing which is which was great because like i didn't really know the new york office the new york office work and he's him being the principal at the new york office and kind of the the lead of that it just it made it gave me a different impression of OMA, and, and I, I did definitely appreciate the work after he explained kind of where they how they got to the solution. I thought that that was great. 
some of the stuff that they were doing with with the fashion stuff <laughs> where he had yeah. a picture of him meeting with Anna Wintour of I think Vogue and, and he's like yeah she started with the meeting with the glasses on he's like she took them off later cuz she's always with her glasses on right and and then he showed the sketch this beautiful sketch of the intertwined centerpiece that like went up the two story atrium and then he showed what got built and how it was such a dis- uh. <laughs> And that's what what happens, right? It happens to everybody, <laughs> even to them. And that's what I appreciated about his and Jeff Goldstein. I mean, they were all talking about those were the ones that kind of stood out to me as those those three. And and I, I saw a couple more, but then I didn't see some of the ones that you guys saw, and I didn't get a chance to see Julie Eisenberg's, which I really sadly miss. But I liked the fact that they showed as much of their failures as they did their successes. And right. and we could all relate to that. And so maybe, Neil, some of their work didn't resonate, but the fact that they struggle like you struggle and they fail like you fail and they succeed like you succeed, that's what I liked about all of the speakers, or most of the speakers. There was one that, what to me, was like so off-putting that I, you know, I think I actually got up and left out of it because they really had quite a big disdain for architects. <laughs> Um, yes like wow yeah like you really don't like us but i'm glad you're sitting in front of us talking to us like we're a bunch of idiots great thanks yeah it happens yeah i'm not gonna i ain't gonna drop that name but whatever that's what i really appreciated the most about it was is the fact that we see them in the glossy magazines and we just kind of say oh starkest text and kind of have this I don't know, feeling about them, but everything about quote unquote Stark architects that were there made them extraordinarily accessible. Yeah. The stories about crazy clients and yeah, presentations gone awry and all kinds of stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I do have a definite suggestion, which I even filled out my little, uh, the, the survey, the survey and add in there that they most certainly need to get Aaron Draplin there. I, I think that'd be a great for me that that would be like a, a welcome relief. Yeah, I wonder how that would go over. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting, that, you would. know, because like there would be a certain sector of the audience that everything that he would be saying and stuff would resonate with them and kind of charge him up. But at the same time, he is such an anomaly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would, be, it would be cool. I would like to see that as well. That's a good idea. I bet the demographic would be kind of like the older, more established architects and designers and stuff would feel maybe a little put off by him or they're a little stuffy and wouldn't kind of because you know i i think he's like the second generation of kind of like the the punk rock designer where he literally is doing everything on his own terms he has had to claw and scratch his way to what success that he has has all been self-inflicted and And I think like even with Ed's talk that it was, it was very much the same thing as that all of his success was on his terms. And you you, you pointed that out. And I think that that's absolutely true about him and like Aaron. And I think people like that are kind of fun to listen to. Yep. Well, anything else about MDC, you guys, we beat this one up too. I I think uh, we should probably don't read, don't don't, read your, that's just good (laughs) advice. Just don't read your presentation. (laughs) Don't read your presentation. Please, please. There's been a few like low lights in the two that I've gone to, and it's been the readers. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I I, I can I can read too. I just don't want to read your presentation and have it read to you. 
or have it read to me. I wasn't ready to be tucked in. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to stay awake, and yeah. reading to me is not helping that. Well, we all put some pretty good photos. I would just patting ourselves on the back here on uh, Instagram. So we'll we'll put some links to those in the show notes too. If you want to see what it was like to be there instead of just listen to it, it was it's worth checking out. Yeah. And then last week, then, I oh, did you have something else to add? I was just going to say, and, and then definitely go to their website, which is aiacc.org slash MDC, and just check out the links to all the different speakers and check out some of the work that each of these guys that we were talking about had presented to us, but also just go check out their firms and their work and stuff, because there really is... Sometimes it may not be your cup of tea, but there is really some inspiring work that they're putting oh, out yeah. there. And, and I think that it's well worth the research to see what other people that share this industry with you are doing out there. Maybe we can't all attend the, the conferences, but we can go out there and do a little research on what our peers are doing. And there's some really cool work out there. Yeah, and, and I think it was a heroic effort uh, for the entire committee to put this on. I know it's a it's a ton of work every two years. and. So Mark and Anne and Amy Orr and the entire team over there at the AIACC with Jana Itzen and Reed Kroloff emceeing the entire event. I mean, they they put a ton of effort into it. And I think Reed even mentioned, you know, there was some major snafus going on behind the scenes, but nobody there knew about it. And so they just really do run a, a really nice event. So kudos to them for, for putting on such a great event. Yeah. And last but not least, I loved that when they had the movie night that they had Saarinen's son, who was the director of the Saarinen movie that is available, I think on Netflix or I've seen it. I saw it before, but it was kind of fun to see it again with the director and the son who lived through all of that, be there and then speak a little bit after the movie. And just, I actually talked to him off to the side kind of while the movie was going on. He was weirdly pacing the sidelines and I went up and talked to him about it because he said I'd already seen it before but it was just kind of fun to connect to like the creators and that was the thing that Neil you were talking about is just how accessible all these speakers were that I think is another thing that they should definitely pat themselves on the back for is that they made everybody and everything very accessible yeah anything else on MDC you guys nah we've beaten that one yeah all right so so last week I reached out to the the team at Architects Newspaper who put on the Facades Plus show, and they hooked me up to be able to go visit that. And I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on it, uh, because it does kind of travel all around. And I know they've got upcoming shows. They've got one in Seattle, and there's, you know, Washington, D.C., and the Bay Area. And uh, they just run this conference all over. And it's just for people who are interested in facades, you know, building envelopes, different materials, uh, upcoming new applications and, and all kinds of cool stuff. And then kind of the technology behind it. And so Neil and Cormac, you guys didn't get to go, but I, I just wanted to kind of point out that this thing happens and it should be on some of our listeners radar. If you're into that kind of thing, there was some great behind the scenes presentations on projects. We had Stanley Sadowitz was there. Uh, the SOM team was there. They talked about the U S federal courthouse, downtown LA kind of did a deep dive into the detailing of the facade and the design build competition that they were part of that they won to build that building. Julie Eisenberg was there as well, and she was speaking with one of the partners there, Nathan, and they had a, a great in-depth talk that was a lot different than MDC the week before. 
So we got to see even more into the the housing projects that they're doing. Some more emerging talent. There was Dora Sung, who we we saw at MDC, I think in 2015, where she had the the buildings with the phase changing. I'm not phase changing, but it's like it's the the bimetal where it automatically moves when the sun hits it and it creates self shades itself. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but it was that was pretty cool. With Alvin, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was there presenting on kind of these mechanical facades that don't have any mechanics. You know, it's all it's all self-performing shading and really, really interesting stuff. Alvin Huang from Synthesis Design was there. There was uh, one of the computational designers who worked at Morphosis for a long time was there showing a bunch of different projects that he's done. So lots of high-tech stuff for the most part. But then I just wanted to point out the the very last talk was given by Alice Kim, who we interviewed on this show back before MDC 2015 because she chaired that conference. And she was talking about a few of their projects. And I just thought it was kind of interesting, maybe as kind of an ending topic here, to talk about what she brought up as how do you design buildings and what is their place in the world in the age of the selfie? Because I, and the kind of the thesis behind this was you never know where like the selfie moment is in your building. And it's not like we even think about this, right? But we kind of know as designers of projects, like where the moments are. But what was interesting about her talk was she's like, but we don't know. And the users are the ones who pick it. And so what was funny was like she had talked about there's a building right here in my hometown, which I ran past the other night. It's uh, the Roberts Pavilion. And she showed it's a giant gymnasium complex building. And it's really it, it is an interesting building. It's got a neat facade on it. And she had designed several different aspects to this building where she thought like this is the the money right here, you know, and and she's like, but I was wrong. You know, it was real because now she just pulls up Instagram on her phone and she's everybody can geotag their photos. Right. So she can pull up that location and see where people are taking their photos of the building. And I thought it was just kind of an interesting kind of social commentary slash something to be aware of when you're designing, because it, it's super interesting to see how people see your buildings. And this isn't just the users right it's not just the well i shouldn't say that it's it's not typically the people that you're dealing with who are your clients it's your clients clients right who are the ones who are posting these things and showing your building off as a backdrop and it really becomes this thing that frames this kind of selfie moment or is the backdrop to that selfie moment And i thought it was just kind of an interesting time that we live in where Photography is ubiquitous. I mean, everybody's got a camera in their pocket all the time. I just wanted to throw that out there. I like it because what you're not maybe thinking about when you're designing it is how it's going to be viewed, not just by your clients, but as you said, the client's clients or the passerby or something like that. So so now you start thinking about, well, how is this view going to be framed out or how's that view going to be framed out? And yeah, we're supposed to think about all that stuff. And sometimes we make back of house, big podcast air quotes type facades. And now, you know, you never know if the back of house is going to be the front of house for somebody else. And you got to push yourself to think about every, and again, as you should think about every facade as an equal in 
equal and opposite partner to every other facade. And it should be something that you think about on every aspect because it's not just going to be your service yard entrance. Well, you know, your service yard entrance might be a view that you may not think of being presented, but it will be presented. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing I think for me now is like, oh man, I, I need to look up my projects on social media, the locations and see if, if what, what's going on with that? Because I, I'm interested because this is a, like the social fabric of the way the project is presented to and used by people in a much different way than we think of our users, right? They're, they, they, like you said, they could just be passing by. They could be going through the back door. They could be doing just about anything. And, and you never know how it's going to show up and be presented to the rest of the world. And so I... I just think that it's interesting, the whole idea of placemaking uh, in the age of the selfie, because, I mean, it's everywhere. It It is absolutely everywhere. So how are our projects showing up in there? So I, I would just encourage everybody to go out, get on social media, start looking up stuff by location. Look at your projects. Look at projects in your city. Look at what's going on and see what people are, are doing with them, because what what the heck? I mean, who, who saw this coming? Ten years ago, right? right we there was no iPhone, right? And and so people were using real cameras back then, again, air quotes. And now you've got a real camera, like a pretty badass camera in your pocket. And do we think about this when we're designing spaces and places uh, on campuses, uh, in complexes, or one-off object in the field kind of thing? There's just so many ways to, to think about this. How does it actually blend into this other layer of cultural fabric, that the social fabric that's out there? Right, right. Anyway, so there's your there's your end of episode charge. Get out there and look at your stuff. <laughs> see see what's going on. How are people perceiving it? Because it's it's going to be an interesting kind of aha moment. I think when you start to see how other people are are looking at and using your architecture as a as a backdrop. That was it. Uh, it was cool cool conference. Uh, I hope you guys can can go to them too. So definitely check out Facades Plus. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. I was just looking at their website and. Though they do have some of their conferences for early 2018 posted. They don't have the full 2018 kind of like rundown yet, but not coming close yet, but it looks like they do come to D.C. often. So I'm going to be looking forward to that. Yeah, and so thanks to Marty and Diana who who helped make that happen. And uh, if you guys do happen to go to a Facades Plus, definitely worth it. I, I felt like the first day was was all keynote talks all through the day. Uh, and then the second day was some workshops where you can get even some continuing education credits. But a lot of neat stuff going on there. So definitely worth seeing what, what the latest in facade technologies are. Whether you can afford them or not, that's a different story <laughs> on our public projects. But uh, it's still neat to see what advancements are happening out there in the materials world. Oh, yeah. It's just kind of like that similar philosophy to like the car companies who invest all this money in their race car technology. They It trickles down, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're not necessarily doing it for racing per se. They're, it, the racing is a test bed for what is going to be the general public type presentation of everything that they learn in their race cars. It may be something that right now you can't afford in your public one, but if it becomes popular... There will be the knockoffs, and the knockoffs will then drive the prices down of the originals. And now you can afford to put terracotta cladding on buildings and stuff that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, exactly. Cool stuff. I look forward to it. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hey, before we go, 
we'd like to thank our episode sponsors. First, we have RCAT. Check out all the features they offer over at ARCAT.com. We're also sponsored by CORE, powered by BQE. CORE revolutionizes the way architects manage projects, time and expenses, billing and accounting. CORE saves you time while giving you all the visibility, flexibility, and power you need to grow your firm. Learn more and get a free trial at bqe.com forward slash core. And thanks to Hager Companies for their support. Don't miss their Texas, Oklahoma ADA Accessibility Standards Seminar on Saturday, November 11th. That's coming up at 3 p.m. as part of the Texas Society of Architects Continuing Education Program. And you want more ArcaSpeak? Of course you do. Visit ArcaSpeakPodcast.com where you'll find links to our catalog of episodes. And while there, make sure to sign up for our email newsletter. By doing so, you'll be notified when an episode goes live, and it will include links, like all the things we talked about on this episode, to everything we mention during this show. And stay in contact between episodes by checking out our Facebook page. And I want to throw a mention out for the Ask ArcaSpeak hashtag. Make sure you visit our Facebook page and check that out or hit us up on Twitter and make sure you hashtag Ask ArcaSpeak. You'll find links to all of those things over at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. And remember to tell a friend and stay subscribed to everyone. And thanks for listening. And catch you next time. Happy Halloween. Ooh. Eek. <laughs> now enjoy the music. I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing I join the choir to sing They're all competing for some other thing I join the choir to sing Oh, no, I like-